stopping what can't be stopped. No killing what can't be stopped. Guess what? We didn't start this fight. We don't want it. But if you want to fight, you better believe you've got one! Now to the task at hand. I know that you wish to speak about your sports games incessantly, but I am here for a different purpose. Welcome to the Sports Antelope episode number 170. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Just tell her hi in English, man. Yeah, we brought Kenny Loggins back. I just saw him in a show. We're going to have to talk about that. Sing it, Kenny! Kenny Loggins, ladies and gentlemen, for the last time on this show. Kenny Loggins will be played. In his third to last performance after a 50-year career, we saw him at the Mohican Sun in Connecticut. I went to a Red Sox game with Boston Dan the night before. It was a rain out, so what? Great time. Went on Havid's campus the next day, walking around looking for the woke with the Danny Belts jersey. Couldn't find many. Actually, was I really looking for them? I'm pretty sure they are everywhere. It's all good, right? And then we go to that concert. I don't even like live music. The best concert I've ever been to. And when he played the Danger Zone, I wasn't even able to move. I couldn't even function. That's how incredible. But they did not play this song, but it is the last time we'll play it. Boy, like almost, what, 70, 80 episodes with this one intro? Oh, man. But we'll send it off in style. It's going to be great. If you caught the Sunday sickness, Dickie Salvo is now joining the show on the Sunday night. Sunday sickness aspect. He'll help us out a lot, especially uh, with the NFL. The drunk neighbor is on with a soliloquy. And Bro Exotic is on to explain Woke Forest and what happened at Old Dominion. Still a very slavey name. Unbelievably slavey, as Bro Exotic pointed out last week. It's kind of strange. He would kind of, oh, never mind. We'll have him explain all that to us. I want to talk a little bit about this Deion Sanders thing one more time. I just can't believe how no one's talking about the real story here, I feel. And then we're going to talk about Just Tell Her Hi in English. Uh, the new picks rolling in right here. The final ones, or at least some of them. 12 and 8 against the spread is the sports antidote here on this lovely day, episode 170. The Sunday sickness really does help ease the burden of the show right here, so we don't have it running like an hour and 40 minutes. We can break it up. But more importantly, in another front, it, it, it shows us initially what I'm looking at or shows us what we like, what Dickie Salvo likes, what I like, things like that. Salvo I met a long time ago on Twitter. Uh, I just – his trolling style was, was something of which I had never seen. It was beyond Jedi troll master. It was way high. And his ability to really rile up so many people. And this dude used to write for the Philly Godfather, uh, one of these big books out there or one of these big touts, excuse me, but I saw him do, not that he's a tout at all, he knows exactly what he's doing, he's introduced me to a lot of people, and I met him in New Orleans on a bachelor party with my brother years ago when he came down, so now we're not catfish friends, we met, right, but this guy is, uh, he's a pro's pro at this, he knows exactly what he's doing, he's a really smart guy, uh, I like his background, even where he's, his education, he went to a really good school, uh, he's a pretty smart guy, but there's a lot of things that he's going to bring to the table that, that, that I will not uh, college basketball, I remember this dude had some heater ATS. He picked like 15 in a row against the spread on Twitter. And I mean, I just remember looking at this like, what is it? This is bullshit. This is not possible. You go back and look, it's all there. Guy can pick a winner, man. So uh, sometimes I can't. So it's good to have guys like that around. Drunk Daber's soliloquy, uh, 
at the end there, going to be sick. I'm not going to blow anything on that one. Whenever you get 20 minutes of this guy, I don't feel I need to prep anyone. Just kind of sit back, crack a beer, and enjoy that as he takes the cleanup segment of the show. And Bro Exotic is not going to disappoint anyone today, and hopefully I don't as well. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Can't believe I forgot that one, right? Follow us at the Sports Antelope on Instagram. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope today. So we're still getting into the Coach Prime thing, and I want to make a quick point on this. I do appreciate Deion Sanders telling everybody that the safety for Colorado State, yes, it was a cheap shot, but cheap shots are part of the game. So that's a huge statement from Deion. Yeah, they are part of the game. Just like getting beaned in baseball, all right, just like hard fouls back in the day in basketball, especially in the NBA. Yeah, it's part of the game, all right? You're going to have some cheap shots. But Deion Sanders then said, and this is going to happen when it's, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but this type of hype around a game, that's going to happen. I agree with that, coach. I agree with that, too. Two for two. Let's see if we can get all three. But then he talks about, (laughs) he's so smart how he does this. It's not a straw man. It's kind of like a deflected straw man. It's both. It's a preemptive deflection is what it is. When he gets up there and starts talking about not so much God, but a situation, really what that does is it just makes your eyes go from like left to right. And now that you're looking right, what he's able to do is make you forget that he's the reason this happened. If he doesn't re-raise Colorado State with this, we were just going to win normal. Now we're going to flatten you. None of this shit happens. None of this. And they probably do win the game by 40 if they don't do that. So I think in his humility, he's still being extremely smart by not owning up to some of this. I haven't heard it. If he did, excuse me. I didn't see that. But he's owning up to some. But the main culprit here, you're never going to move me off this, was the five-bet all-in re-re-re-raise, six spots out of place from Dion to Colorado State, almost lost. And now, you know, he's, he's the reason that all this went down. <laughs> I love it. It's great. I'm not rooting against Colorado. And I think I think someone's going to be talking about them in a bit on the show. So far be it for me to take that steam. And thank God, because I don't want it. I don't want it. Just tell her hi in English. Let me add something in there. Just tell her hi in English, chief. That was a hard chief. And it plays. At Johnson & Wales in Charleston. And again, if all else fails, apply to Johnson & Wales. Everybody knows this. Except you can't do it in Charleston because they're in Charlotte now, but that's okay. But anyway, when I was there, there was a couple exchange students. One was from Brazil and one was from like Peru. They were both ridiculously good looking. And I was over two with both of them. I couldn't even really get a conversation started. And it's not that I had a problem doing that. I just necessarily didn't speak Spanish or Portuguese. And I just really wasn't culturally what they were looking for. I just you know, I went to some boarding school bunch of dudes i'm in college now like i don't really know how to dress i had to wear a tie you know now what do i do what do i wear i had to wear like a tie look like a prep boy next to uncle public and everybody else i don't know how what am i supposed to do in this situation it was extremely awkward um you know the first semester we did trimesters but the first couple man just stumbling around how do i how do i talk to these chicks it was easier in high school right was it yeah i don't know Struggling here. That's all right. Because, uh, yeah, I would move up, graduate out the farm team, and like most people or anyone else, just kind of get up, I guess, to a platform where it's a little easier to navigate with the opposite sex. And that's just not in the bedroom, really. I just mean in general communication, because there's even a lot of gaps there later on in life. It's not just awkward-natured adolescence. There's a lot going on there in general. 
But I learned that I wasn't really going to be good at the exchange student type thing. But there was another guy walking around Charleston who probably was the exact opposite uh, of that. This guy caught steam early. He was a freshman when I was a freshman, except he would stay, go to school a little longer. And he went to the College of Knowledge, College of Charleston. We didn't really know each other that well. We were in a, so he was in a circle of friends. I was in a circle of friends. And, and like most like you would like, like with you or anyone else, when those intertwine, that's a solid acquaintance. I had his number. If I call him on my own, is it weird? Absolutely not. Uh, but we just never really hung out individually. But that does not take it away because I called this dude the king of Charleston. The king of Charleston. And I wish I would have known him better. It was like he should have been the most interesting man in the world before that dude on the commercials. As far as I go, this dude, his backstory was just ridiculous. He had lived in like 10 countries. His parents were basically millionaires. He spoke three, four languages. He was, he just, this dude could talk about anything. He was brilliant. He was, like I said, tri or quadlingual. That's outrageous. He was a finance major. How the hell are you good with all these numbers and you can communicate this well? It's not how this works. Six foot two, 200 pounds, maybe 8% body fat. It was a cross between Ronald Reynolds and Ronald Go- Ryan Gosling and, and Reynolds. I don't know. He was a good looking guy. And he was like dark. So tall, dark, handsome, rich, smart, basically everything that I'm not. So this dude, you know, I kind of, everybody wanted to be friends with this guy because this guy was just pulling, I mean, it was ridiculous. In a city like Charleston, where there was eight to one was the guy-to-girl ratio when I got there in 2001. And let me tell you something, I think it almost got more absurd by the time I was out there. They go out in herds, son. Schools, like 60 deep. Do you know what it's like when 60 hot chicks go out at once? It's too many. You need to cut that in half. I used to get in there. I'd be like, look, I'm going to cut the first third off. I'm going to cut the back third off. The, 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 the first third, two thirds will keep walking. And then this 33% back here, we're going to just ambush them real quick and try to get them to go to this bar. This is the only way you could do. There's too many women. And it's, their collective buying power was way too much in the social setting. Too many women's a bad thing. So there was so many times where I'd be like, dude, we need some dudes up in here. I don't care how that sounds. <laughs> But I mean, in, a, in, in an area where it was just wild, op- I mean, just w- a ton of Southern girls from all over the world, not just Southern chicks, but chicks from everywhere, the international destination, that this might have been the best looking and most interesting dude in the entire city. Needless to say, he didn't have uh, much, much hard work around here. So let me tell you a quick story about the King of Charles. Let me just tell you this story. This, this, this is the extent of this man's power. Okay, his sheer capabilities. Okay, this guy, there was a there was a bar called Tsunamis. It was on East Bay Street, which means nothing to most. It's not far. It's right there across the street. You know, the battery's right there. The big blue wet thing. And East Bay Street's the last major street before the ocean. And there's a bar there. There was a restaurant called Tsunami, a sushi restaurant. And like, you know, Tuesday night, this place was bumping. This was the Tuesday night spot, man. Like. 50 cent dollar vodkas or something, you know, you know, the sushi vibe and all that was incredible. I loved it. And there was a lot of women there at this thing of all different ages. Yeah, you, you, you had everything running around here. Well, this guy is like the apex predator of Charleston, right? This guy. I happened to be with him this day with a few other people. And boy, he just had that. He just had that look. This man's going to clock in. He's going to clock in. And when he does, I'm going to sit down and get a notebook. You can call it. You can call it whatever you want. But whatever this guy's about to do, I want to duplicate and replicate because it's going to work. <laughs> and it's going to be 
with about six smoke shows. I don't know how this guy does it. And here we go. This dude ends up talking to four chicks, okay? I'm watching this happen, all right? They look very similar, does two and the other two. That's because they're sisters. Oh, that's right. Two sets. One's 30, one's 22, one, and on the other side, one sister's 29, and the other sister's like 22. They're basically the same age. All four are ridiculously good. All four. I'd love to see what both of these, both of these sets of girls, I want to see what their mother looks like at this point. They were not ugly, okay, like at all. And even for Charleston standards, we're probably seeping out of the nine and a half, ten side. And there were so many of that happening. But they would be over that as they were not from Charleston. And then any of them. And then after, you know, three hours of drinking, they proceed to basically all fight over this guy. I'm watching this happen as they're getting into the cab. Only thing I'm trying to do is how do I sneak into this cab? How do I get into the trunk? I'm small enough. They won't know. But the other two girls couldn't get in the cab, so I certainly wasn't. This dude had laid down the law that he'll have a threesome, but not with two of the same family. So basically, they're each going to have to select or fight to the death. Then they can get in the cab with him as the grand prize. As a consolation prize to the other two girls, he provided them access to his house, which he is not going to. He is going to the Charleston Hotel, (laughs) which is... (laughs) Six blocks up. <laughs> I don't even know why he's in the cat. They definitely were getting in a taxi. While the other two are going to go to his house that he's not there so they can maybe go meet his two roommates. I'm not making it. Let me repeat this to you. This guy, okay, makes some cuts before getting in the cab. Cuts two of the hottest chicks of all times because they're related and doesn't want to have a foursome because there's some sort of morality wall there. All right. Who can do that? Start there. Then swallow this. Then tells the other ones, I need you to go to my house and have sex with my roommates. And it's borderline, not trafficking, but it's pretty much pimping because I'm pretty sure they're not paying them to do that. So this man had a lot of sway with the women, to say the least. <laughs> I've told you about all the things he could do, the way he could dress, his style, his languages. His... It was just not fair. It was not fair. His sophistication level, but how are you 21 years old talking about Peruvian, you know, just what? Talking about like South America. He's talking about the RAND, the currency down there in South Africa and some investments. I'm like, what what are you talking RAND? I don't know anybody. What? what?" Just wasn't fair. But he was so likable. And the beauty of this was no one hated on him because he was just that dude. How can you hate this? If you hate that guy, I can't let you around my kid because you will undoubtedly take her to a trans drag show and then probably to Barbie which was horrible. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Thanks, Delta. This guy brought a mismatch to every type of situation he was in, except for this one girl who was an exchange student from South America. I'm not going to get into much about her. I'll classify her as a 10.0 out of 10. She casually could have probably played soccer in the men's Premier League as I saw her play soccer a couple times and she moved like a man. Super athletic, but in the way that would be very attractive. She spoke a ton of languages. She had a perfect GPA. I, I, the, both of these people were like meant to go procreate and maybe save the world. I don't know. Maybe make it a worse place. I have no idea. But just go ahead and have the prettiest kids of all times. And you guys were meant to be with each other. The problem is, when are they ever going to meet up? You know, when are they going to meet? Well, this is going on for like almost like months and months. She was in town for almost a year. I don't know how long these visas are. 
We're always like, when's the King of Charleston going to meet the South American situation? That's what I called her prior to the Jersey Shore thing. You remember Mike, right? Mike, what's up? The situation Mike presented was the dude had ridiculous abs, right? The situation that this chick brought forth was way different. Way, way, way different. So the South American situation and the King of Charleston are going to meet eventually. Okay, They both speak the same languages if they don't want to speak English. And this dude's Don Juan Delanooch. <laughs> and he can talk to whoever he wants. Uh, especially her, and she can basically talk to whoever she wants because all she did was turn everybody down the whole time she was there. And why are we doing? What are we doing? You know, you're the winner of the West, you're the winner of the East. Go play for the title. Let's see what happens. And so here we are, King Street Grill, when it was there. Word had gotten to us, she's leaving in about a week. And we basically were telling the guy, look, man, King, you ain't gonna have much time. I, I don't know why you two are doing this charade, just... Let's get this over with. And it's not much as my other friend is saying that she walks in at that very specific time. And when she walks in, it was kind of like, you know, uh, Zoolander, whenever Hansel walks in, like, whoop, whoop, Hansel. Oh, it's one of the coolest things ever. A DJ mixing, even when you walk into a funeral, Hansel, so hot right now, of course. My point was, look, if you go over there, don't just assume that she speaks Portuguese if she's from Paraguay. Because one of the guys I was interviewing with, I had asked, this is right towards my end of Johnson, right, I'm going to leave school in a few months, right before Katrina too. So it would change everything. But I had asked him, because I said, is there any Portuguese spoke in Paraguay? And it's, so the chances of this are pretty slim. But uh, he told me, and this is a while ago, and I checked, there's still like, you know, at the time, six, 700,000 people that will still speak Portuguese in Paraguay. They're neighboring, they're landlocked, they're neighboring countries anyway, to the Southwest. And he said, that's kind of like a, he even compared it somehow to Argentina and Germany, clearly minus the Germans going to Argentina, running from the, you know, officers that are running from their war crimes, of course. But there is a lot of people that speak poor. So I'm telling them all this, like, dude, just really impress her. Don't assume if she's from Brazil, we know she's South American. We think she's from Brazil if she is, but don't assume she speaks Portuguese. But then if she's Paraguayan, don't assume she speaks Spanish. She can still speak Portuguese. And this guy's taking all this in like, dude, that's right. That's a great idea. You're right. And I was like, yeah, let's really, let's doctor this up, man. Let's, let's really overthink this one. <laughs> and then my late friend, Larry Rich comes in out of nowhere, looks him right in the say, right, right in the eye. Kind of gets, and this is a taller dude, but just kind of looks up. Just tell her hi in English, man. Just tell her hi in English. It was the face of sarcasm and seriousness paired in one to let him know you're overthinking this. Ole Miss, Alabama. Most coaches overthink playing Alabama. I believe this. I really have the ability to spend way too much time on this, so I don't want to. I don't think you want to. But Lane Kiffin has the unbelievable ability to win games he's supposed to win, even when he shouldn't. But when it comes to these games that he's not supposed to win, they never win these. To my knowledge, I don't think Lane Kiffin has really had that. I mean, he has a couple, but... His signature win, I, I, I don't really understand. I'm not sure when we'll actually all understand that uh, collectively. I don't. Uh, but he still has a job and continues to get one everywhere he goes, and that's great for Lane. It would appear he'd have a chance to get an Alabama team that's the weakest they've ever been nearly. It would appear that a lot of things would play here 
But for me, listening to Lane's press conferences and listening to some things has made this game very interesting. I happened to watch Ole Miss a few times. The Tulane game was bizarre. They only they won by 17, only had 20 more yards. Uh, they couldn't eat. The, Tulane held them to under 100 yards rushing. They really didn't have this big offensive game as the score would indicate. And as a matter of fact, you know, if Tulane gets a first down at the end there, they're probably going to win the football game, and they didn't. And then Ole Miss scored, and everything flipped. Uh, there's a lot of other things about Ole Miss that I don't feel that record doesn't really indicate what we're looking at to be some sort of like, oh, man, this team is legit. Georgia Tech's not legit at all. Georgia Tech rolls in there, 474 yards of offense. This is a team that really can't throw the football through for 300. They won't throw for 300 one or two more times the rest of the year, I feel. Average yards per play, over five yards, run for 167 yards, 26 first downs. 26 first downs, 11 for 20 on third down. 11 for 20 on third down. 26 first downs? What? They can't stop anybody. Teams that don't even... This is what this looks like to me. I could read these box scores to you. The Alabama-Texas game is really bizarre. And I think that even though there was some strangeness going on there, I don't think Texas offense is that good. I still have a lot of faith in Alabama's defense. And yes, they... Beat Southern Florida by 14. Southern Florida scored in like their first possession and didn't score the rest of the game. That's still pretty difficult. It was on the road. The weather sucked. We understand all these things. Alabama's not that good. But here's my point, and I wish I could have done it faster. Or maybe I don't. But right now in that old Miss camp, they're wondering, do we want to speak English? Or do we want to speak Portuguese? And they're going back and forth on how to beat this team. And if you look at what South Florida did, you can clearly see how you beat this team. All you really want to do is keep the ball in Alabama's hands, almost like they can't throw the football. And when they do, horrible things happen. It looks like they have a problem when you stretch the field. They can still stuff the run for damn sure. But they're having problems covering deep balls over the top. And it wasn't just the Texas game. If the South Florida quarterback had a little more accuracy and maybe the weather wasn't, the field wasn't in those conditions, some of those balls may have dropped. I don't know. But even with all that said, Alabama's defense still looks pretty good, especially versus the run. Ole Miss had problems running between the tackles on Tulane. You're never going to be able to run between the tackles on Alabama. Most people know that anyway. But if you're relying on Jackson Dart to go win this game for you, I, yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably going to jump on the Alabama train with that. Uh, there's no way I'm not, actually. Mr. Producer, you just snuck that in there like that? Oh, you're telling me it's time to go. Oh, I can't. That's my way to know I need to stop talking and start talking about the games. That's the new thing. That is very effective. Mr. Producer, wow. Just hit me with a cattle prod. I love it. All right, we're getting to it, says the man. We're taking Alabama minus the seven. I mean, look, it seems to me Alabama can still stop the run. It seems to me everybody's down in Alabama. It seems to me people somehow are high on this Ole Miss team. It seems to me... This is not the game Lane Kiffin's going to make his name for. And even if he does, it doesn't even really count because Alabama is garbage, right? I love the under in this game, but I don't know how to bet it because I think that Ole Miss defense can just be just once it gets beaten, thrashed. LSU did this to them last year, just ran for 500 yards in the fourth quarter. I feel Alabama's going to smash these guys. So on the record, I can't believe I'm doing it, but we are. Alabama minus the seven versus Ole Miss. Let's get on that one. Let's win that one. You already know what else we have. If you didn't know on the Sunday sickness, Tennessee minus the 19 and a half verse. Texas San Antonio and 
It is now 20 and a half. I told you it would go up, but I thought it would be up over three touchdowns. We're going to stay put on that one. I mean, we already have it. It's on the record. I do think you should get on that before it goes over three touchdowns. I am not excited about this lack of line moving, but that's okay. I also don't like how TCU is a six and a half point favorite everywhere. We got a bad line with five and a half, so shook. Bad for me. Uh, shucks. Because uh, we don't like getting bad lines, and six and a half is a light year better than five and a half, especially in a college football game where nobody can make an extra point once again. So we do have Southern, Southern Methodist plus the five and a half. Tennessee minus the 19 and a half. What else do we have here? And we got one pro for you, just one pro here. The Denver Broncos blow a big lead to the Redskins. The Redskins. Once again, Sean Payton losing the Riverboat Ron. <laughs> Boy, they look bad. And the Dolphins win again. That's great for our future. 2-0. Over 9.5. Looking pretty good. You give me 6.5. Opens up at 5.5, which is the goofiest number in all of sports, especially pro football. And then it goes up to 6.5, and, and now it's staying. Sean Payton been hitting the bong. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Guy looks horrible. Well, his team looks like a complete disaster. I don't care. On the record, give me the Broncos plus the six and a half. Let's finish the slate. Southern Millionaires plus the five and a half at TCU. Tennessee minus 19 and a half at home. Alabama minus the seven versus Ole Miss in Tusky. And the Broncos getting six and a half in Miami versus the coolest coach in North America. Has anybody seen Bro Exotic? All Ole Miss has to do is speak English, but they'll try to speak Spanish and Portuguese and they'll get smoked. You want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Wow. I hope you are prepared, Mr. Bro. Bro Exotic joins the Sports Antidote. How you doing there, bro? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic. Uh, Vice Pope of Cow, Church of Woke. What's going on, dude? Sick. I'm sitting here looking around. You know, I'm looking at these tickets I had. Did pretty well last week, but I, I got on the Woke Forest didn't quite work out and i'm just curious as the explanation to why that may or may not have happened uh no it was an oversight of my thought dude look uh like wake forest they couldn't cover uh, the old dominion monarchs uh hashtag monarchy hashtag patriarchy uh because <laughs> simply because women make 70 cents on the dollar that men do hashtag patriarchy uh and it, i overlooked that fact and the spread of that game should have been minus two and a half to adjust for how many points the Old Dominion Monarch Patriarchy were already guaranteed to get uh, over Wake Forest uh, women's rights. Uh, you know, and it's uh, it's due to the uh, the male-dominated social uh, constructed evils of the white man's gendered economic slavery to women, and more importantly, women of color, uh, i.e. capitalism. Uh, hashtag Saul Alinsky. Uh, so, I mean, it's pretty simple, dude. It's... Uh, it's pretty basic social science there, man. Hashtag Saul Olinsky. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's no arguing with anything you just said. That is exactly why uh, they didn't cover. And 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 yeah, you should. I mean, that's on you though, bro. You should have checked uh, the the variance in the rage differential into the point spread, especially when dealing with a team that, as we said last week, they sound they still sound pretty slavey to me. So yeah, I, I they do. They, they do sound a little slavey, dude. But I did overlook the uh, the gender wage gap. Can't do um, that. The, the woke Pope really uh, uh, sparked a fire up my ass about that one, dude. So I'll uh, I'll be sure to uh, have my adjustments for uh, for this week. And that's what's most important is the coming week. So there's a lot of games this week. I looked 
I looked for potential matchup disparities with mascots, of course. I looked for potential protests, perhaps a Buffalo riot wings near a game. I couldn't really find anything that jumped out at me. I have my guesses, but where are you going this week, bro? Okay, so the woke equation, uh, you're, you're right up uh, you're right up our alley with Buffalo Riot Wings, dude. Nice. Um, we're going to take Oregon minus 21 against Colorado. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. yeah, dude. Because, I mean, look, dude, like Colorado, they're still a part of uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave, dude. But the woke mecca of Oregon, dude, we're land of the riot and home of the woke. Uh, wait, wait. Ha- hashtag can, Buffalo Riot Wings. Can you say that one more time, please? Oh, it's, yeah, the land of the riot and home of the woke. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that that is the the mecca that is Oregon. Are they coming um, out with that on the jerseys? Maybe. If I have anything to do with it, they will. Oh, look into that, please. You know, people. I will. Proceed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, dude. Um, you know, and, and even looking forward, dude. Just uh, you know, we have to fake Colorado, dude. Uh, because of uh, <laughs> of of one man, uh, lead, leading the leading the team, holding the reins, dude. We have to fade Deion Sanders, bro. I mean, whoa, whoa, he's a man of color, bro. You, uh, no, no, dude, but like his uh, his transgressions <laughs> far supersede uh, him being a man of color. Hashtag BLM. Uh, but Deion, dude, he's just uh, another homophobic Christian. I mean, like, I I bet he doesn't even I bet he doesn't accept the D at all. Uh, that being the Demo- that being the Democratic Party. I bet- and you know, like he flaunts that cowboy hat and that that blood diamond chain around, like he's in some like Jason Aldean racist music video about people of color peacefully protesting in the Apple stores to support their families. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. You want to talk prime time? Yeah, prime time, my ass, dude. He reminds me of Bill O'Reilly when he was on prime time at Fox News, dude. It just makes me sick. So, oh, have to go bro. ahead and fade, uh, uh, Mister Who Prime Time, Deion Sanders. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and take the woke mecca of Oregon minus twenty one, bro. Does he indeed pray to the Christian God? He does, correct? He does, dude. Okay. He does. He okay. does. Oh right. yeah, you're you're on, when you pray to the Christian God, uh, you're on our radar. You are on the radar. There's no doubt about it. We will weed you out. You will, and then when you throw on a cowboy hat and then wear a slave diamond on top of that, I think the weeding process has stopped. You already have them at that point, right? I mean, they have. I mean, how do they not? How do how do they get past you? It's impossible. I mean, dude, he's like he, he's like a black man wearing white face at this point. Like, I, it, it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, coming from the church, well, this is un- unprecedented language here, and and you can see he. We did talk about transgressions. He laid it out in the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, the argument. Is almost infallible. I mean, it is. It is infallible. How do we not support this? I mean, of course, if you support Colorado, you probably support a lot of other. Th- I mean, there's a lot of other slavery things here. I imagine, bro. Colorado's a little slavey too. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we know that. Are they, they, oh. they, the oh, yeah. got the buffaloes? A little slavey here. I don't know. Yeah, dude. Uh, so, like my my uh, according to the Wook equation, Oregon is going to cover the spread by 14. Uh, because AOC is obviously in the 14th district of, uh, of uh, what she presides over. So, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Oregon's going to have a blowout here. Um, we're looking forward to it, dude. AOC does factor into the woke equation? Absolutely, man. Huh. Uh, it's, she's directly a, a, a part of this, yes. Yes. Mm. All right, so the woke, one day you're going to have to break this down for us. We don't have time right now, but... It, AOC, I now I'm starting to really like it. Do you think this will go over? Do you think this will get under three touchdowns? 
uh, I know you don't have much line speculation, but you know, I've never asked you. So what do you think the line's going to do, bro? I think this definitely goes, uh, th- this, this blows 70. Uh, I, I think this is going to go, uh, this might, this might beat out Kobe's highest. It might go over. It might, might be 82. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't think you heard the question, but that's all right. I, I, what I meant was, do you think I thought you were asking if it was going over? I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Do you think the line is going to move? Where do you think oh, it's going to move over? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they're smart and they want to, uh, you know, adjust the woke equation. Yeah. This, this thing's got to be minus 35. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, what are they? It's, so it's almost, what are they doing? Yeah. It's just too easy. I understand. Rogues, oh, that, that, that's what I did. That's what I meant. Yeah. The, they, the AOC 14 left there. I mean, it's, it should be minus oh, 35. Oh, I see. So it's almost, Oh, wow. There's just a big edge. The AOC yeah. 14 point edge that bro exotic has found ladies and gentlemen in the woke equation. Don't ask why just give the money bro exotic. We'll be looking at Oregon minus 21 and a half. Correct. Uh, minus 21. Minus 21 on the record is Bro Exotic, the vice pope of the Church of Woke. Anything you want to close with today, bro? Uh, yeah, dude. No joke. Stay woke. Uh, hashtag cancel Marjorie Taylor Green, as always. Oh, as and, always. Uh, we'll see you next week, dude. Hashtag I got nothing. I got to work on that. All right, bro. We'll see you next week. All right, bro. Take care. Anadotions, this is Captain's Log from The Drunk Neighbor coming to you live on Thursday morning, hoping this will get over to Danny Belts before he can publish, because we got a lot to talk about, folks. I was in Maine and New Hampshire this past weekend to watch our Fighting Tigers put on an incredible, incredible performance against Mississippi State in a very tough environment. You've heard this a million times. Uh, if you watched The Path, which has been coming out on ESPNU, it started last night, Wednesday night. Uh, they were ringing the cowbells all week in practice, which, side note, that needs to be illegal. I don't know why having artificial noisemakers has been grandfathered in. It's an absolutely outrageous tradition, and I'm sick and tired of it. But guess what? They didn't have a lot to ring about, uh, really, after the first couple of drives LSU put on. But I'm going to circle back to that because we want to talk a little bit about The biggest story in college football, which is your Colorado Buffaloes. Everyone, the bunch of hippie, disgusting people that are in Boulder are, uh, well, actually now we're getting a whole new demographic there, and wink, wink, uh, Uncle Public may be going there, except he's a little too white for that. He was probably pulling for Colorado State. So with that game, I was on Eastern Time watching that. I, I fell asleep. I was woke up, still a little drunk, saw that they were losing, and said, let me flip this on in the Airbnb. So we put it on. Colorado comes back. We don't need to talk about the the, the cheap shot that everyone is acting like they've never – they're clutching their pearls, acting like they've never seen anything like that in their life before. Hey, Travis Hunter, don't go around barking, saying you're all talk and no action – and then not expect to get smashed like that. Like if you run your mouth, that is what's going to happen in a combat sport. And make no mistake, that is what football is. So let's talk a little bit about how that game ended. Jay Norvell, I, you talk about a pussy. 
How do you blow this game, Jay Norvell? I don't understand. You go into overtime. Colorado has all of the momentum, all of it, going into overtime after you blow a gigantic lead without their probably All-American wide receiver and cornerback. So you get to overtime. Colorado decides to take the ball first. So we need to start talking about, you know, it worked out, but is Deion Sanders an X's and O's coach? I, let's Let's save that for another day because – before I get too deep into this, I do want to say I'm not going to shift our expectations. I'm not going to say if they don't win 10 games this year, it's a disappointment. What they've already done has been incredible. Good for them. They've beaten three not very good teams, but good for them. They're they're on a run. So let's talk a little bit about how the overtime was handled. So Colorado gets the ball, and they go right down and score again, kick the extra point, no problem. Then Colorado State gets the ball. And they go down, struggle a little bit, but they score. Huge, huge decision here. If you remember Brian Kelly against Alabama, you know, when they were a giant dog, they go and they said, fuck it, we're going for two. We're going to win it right here. No need. Leave that kicker. Tell him to start picking up his crap and start walking towards the bus because this game ends right now. Well, it did end right there whenever they decided to kick that extra point because sure enough, Colorado scores, stops Colorado State, then they storm the field for a 24-point favorite. It's unbelievable. It's a stupid fan base, stupid people, a lot of casuals. So Jay Norvell, garbage coach, and frankly would have taken a lot more heat earlier in the week when he said, I take my hat off and stand up when I talk to other men. If he was a white guy that said that, that would have been his uh, walking papers, but since He's just a shade darker than me. He gets to say that. So let's talk about the real game of the week. That was LSU. So they absolutely ran away from Mississippi State. Things I was impressed by, obviously, Jaden Daniels. This offense is starting to click. They're finding that Malik neighbors just force it to him. Just force it to him. Even on plays where the man, there was blanket coverage. He was making catches. It reminded me a lot of Josh Reed in the in the early aughts whenever he started getting going when they moved him from running back to wide receiver. Um, not the same situation, obviously, but the dominance that he has, that Rohan to Josh Reed connection, it reminds me a lot, and it's not just because it's a black quarterback. It was an incredible performance by both of those guys. Offensive line was absolutely filthy. Um Got physical. One of the things I think we were really concerned about after the Florida State game was they got super out physical. It was kind of depressing to watch this team get pushed around a little bit, uh, not throughout the entire game, but it wasn't the nastiness that we've seen in the past with LSU because, frankly, we recruit out of a base with aggressive folks. But uh, seeing Will Campbell, uh, though he had four penalties and went full Kyle Turley and threw a helmet across the field, uh, fourth penalty, which we caught Brian Kelly dropping an F-bomb on TV if you saw that. I'm not concerned about Will Campbell um, having four penalties in the game. I do think it was funny that they pulled him out, but he played a, a good game outside of the penalties. I mean, when you're up 41-7 to at that point, it's not that big of a deal. They dominated, absolutely destroyed them. Another thing that we need to talk about, Logan Diggs. Kid is incredible. I mean, I, what, I think we found our feature back at LSU. Made some incredible plays out of the backfield, not just running the football, but also caught the ball well, threw some great blocks, 
Jane Daniels was able to find him downfield. I, I really, really am excited about what they have there. And I'm also really excited about what they had with Caleb Jackson, who, frankly, murdered a man uh, during that game. I absolutely ran that poor safety over. I don't know if he ever gets over that. His teeth are probably missing from that. So you have a guy in Logan Diggs that can pound, pound, pound. And then you have your boy, Caleb Jackson, a freshman, just goes in and runs through the team to really just break their will at the end. One of the cooler things I saw in that, so Josh Williams, who has played more football than I think Matt Jones did at Arkansas, also had a pretty decent game, had a touchdown. When Caleb Jackson ran that kid over, you saw him just fired up on the sideline. Really excited to see guys like that really get involved. It means that the whole team is buying in. I really, really am excited about what LSU is going to do. And you have an opportunity this upcoming week to continue that momentum. Arkansas completely blew that game again. Well, not blew, but let's say disappointing for everyone outside of the sports antidote betters who, of course, won that game outright betting a dog. Um, LSU should continue this it's a little early in the season for a hog roast, so I'm not as worried as I have been in the past about Arkansas. It feels like we're catching them at a good time, though they may be in wounded animal mode. That team looked pretty deflated. Am I am I wrong there, Anadotians? I don't think so, because I think LSU is going to be able to continue to push that through, and I love that it's going to be a night game at home. It's the first SEC night game. It's going to be uh, a great atmosphere. you got Herb Street and Fowler calling that game. We should all be very excited about what Jane Daniels is going to do in that game. And uh, before we move on, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the effect that Mason Smith has on a on a team because the stat sheet, and I'm looking at it now to cheat a little bit. He only had two total tackles. Okay, that's fine. He was eating double teams and triple teams from the first quarter into the fourth quarter. It opened up Makai Wingo. And it opened up Savion Jones, who we've been waiting for to really explode, have a great game. I mean, Savion Jones had, he was all over the place. They were calling his name constantly, had a sack, uh, really, really played well. Uh, I also thought Harold Perkins played a good game. They had him more on that outside where they were able to blitz him a little bit more. Uh, But a guy that I really want to highlight here was Whit Weeks. Freshman gets his first start on the road. It's going to be a challenge, right? Mississippi State feels like they can run the ball on everybody. Well, not against LSU. They had uh, the defensive front play great, but Whit Weeks, in his first start, leads the team in tackles with eight, had a quarterback hit, really was all over the place. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot from this young man. He's a freshman, one of the guys that we called out at the beginning of the year. I was excited to see it. You also had um, Denver Harris. You didn't hear his name all game. It's really nice whenever you have a cornerback where you're not hearing their name. Shut down on the other side. Obviously, it helps when you have a pass rush, but it was great to see the defensive backs actually play really well against a very experienced team. Will Rogers, I've sung his praises on this podcast before. Um, So overall, probably the most impressive showing out of all the SEC, other than maybe Florida here. So I got to eat my hat here because uh, Florida – I thought Tennessee would run right through them I until I saw the line. The line was a little creepy to me, which I know got the hairs on the back of Danny Belts' neck standing up. 
they of course went in and dom- um, they dominated. Uh, I picked Tennessee to come out of the East. Boy, that's not looking too good right now. Uh, Florida played a really good game. Hats off to them. Etienne looks really good. Mertz, not an impressive stat sheet if you look at it, but controlled the game well, really ran the offense well. I was impressed by their win. Um, they, of course, play Charlotte this upcoming week, so we won't learn a lot more about them this week, but I'm um, going to be interested to see them going into SEC play after starting at 1-0. and um, Another one that we need to touch on here is Alabama. So we've got the Alabama Ole Miss game coming up. I saw Alabama is favored at seven points, and people are saying that should be the other way around. Um, be very weary of that. Here's what I think. Uh, we've got Nick Saban uh, trying to really start over a rebuild. And I, that sounds insane, but the way that college football works right now with the transfer portal where you're not going to have the depth that you used to have because your guy that was second team and is not going to be the automatic starter is transferring to Kentucky or Vanderbilt or God knows where else. He's going to start letting these younger guys go. And he's going to develop them this year. That's It, it does not look like this is the type of team that is going to make a run for the SEC West. Um, though I'm not certainly not counting them out. Uh, we did call it before the year that they had an opportunity to lose some games early in the year. Obviously, they did to Texas. South Florida only winning 17-3 to I think really highlights the fact that you're not going to see too much of Buchter, Buckter, whatever his name is. doesn't work here anymore because he's not going to be starting. Um, they're going to go back to the Milrow kid. Um, it, you know, they were talking about what a great teammate he was, blah, blah, blah. I don't, we see that every week with Garrett Nussmeyer here at LSU, um, who hasn't gotten really his chance, but for a reason, because Jaden Daniels is playing really well. Let's not go into that. Um, the offensive line in Alabama has been extremely suspect. So why do I still think that Alabama is going to beat Ole Miss this week? And, I have a play on this. It's not a on the record or anything like that because I'm not the gambling aficionado. But I think Alabama is going to come out and try to force this offensive line to play well. Uh, they're going to develop these kids. They have a freshman starting at offensive line. They're going to try to get all these kids as much playing time as possible so that they stay and continue to the dominance that Alabama has had year over year. So Alabama will be right back in 2024 and I'm not saying they're out for 2023 because they still have a team with what 25 stars incredible roster but expect them this week to run the ball even more to let this quarterback do what he does best because they are starting Milrow again uh, and they're going to run the football and they're going to let him run the football I think a lot more and I think they're going to try to eat up clock Uh, Ole Miss is suspect to give up a lot of yards. We watched Tulane completely gash them. Uh, so keeping the ball away from that Lane Kiffin offense, and I think they will run up and and kind of go up 10, 14 and a half, and then they can kind of sit back and, and play back. Because let's be honest, Lane Kiffin has never won a big game in his life. Uh, he is all sizzle, no steak. Um, I'll I'll eat my hat like I'm like I did earlier for Florida if they come out and win this game. But if you're going to bet this game, the way I see it is, you Alabama has to come out in the first half and dominate. If they don't do that, they cannot play from behind. They simply can't. They they cannot 
You cannot count on this team to throw the ball down the field. Um, and that's not even factoring in the South Florida game because different quarterback, storming, raining. I just don't see it. So I really like Alabama in this game. I, I think that that seven-point favorite. Let's remember where this game is. It's in Tuscaloosa. Let's remember that Lane Kiffin has never is 0-4 against Nick Saban. Let's remember that we didn't necessarily feel that great about Ole Miss coming into this season. And just because they beat Tulane on the road with a backup quarterback, and I'm not saying that's why they won because I've already said that. I didn't think that. But let's just say I think Alabama is going to come out uh, running the football, and I think they're going to be able to do it very successfully, which worries me that they're going to pick up some momentum in this game. So that's why I really like that particular game. Uh, Vanderbilt really let me down this week. I guess that future is all but done. We needed them to win one of the UNLV or Wake Forest games. They do have, you can see they're building something there, but I don't know. It's going to be really tough to get the four wins, especially with the way that Missouri, our boy Mevis, hits the 61-yarder to win, um, and the way that Florida is starting to come along. The SEC is crazy, but frankly, it's crazy everywhere. Florida State had every issue in the world against Boston College. Still won, but Boston College is terrible. Uh, Danny Belts touched on this on the Sunday scare or Sunday sickness. I uh, I still think they'll be okay against Clemson. I do worry that they may not be ready to be a team that's favored in Clemson. Uh, I don't remember the last time a team was favored against Clemson at home um, when Clemson's the home team. So that's going to be an interesting watch. Uh, maybe they were overlooking Boston College. I, I'm not going to be the guy that said that LSU should play them this week and they win. I, I do want to see. I, I want Florida State to keep winning. I want, I want the rematch later on in the year when we do have Mason Smith. And again, I'm not saying that they would have won that game if they had Mason Smith, but he does change the way that you play defense. I think we all saw that this past weekend, um, especially if you're watching the trenches. Uh, so, a lot going on here in football. Uh, it's crazy everywhere. The only place that really looks like unscathed is the Pac-12, Pac-2, whatever it is now. Um, but I have a feeling that USC and Washington, that'll sort itself out the way that it always does. Um, they haven't really ran into anybody yet. That's both USC and Washington who were all acting like they should be number one because they beat a team that didn't have a coach. Uh, let, let's be very honest about that. Uh, Mel Tucker not being there. Um, and frankly, even before he left, they didn't have not looked very good. So crazy times in college football. The other big game of the week is going to be Notre Dame and Ohio State. I heard on the Sunday sickness, everyone's leaning towards Notre Dame. I'm not so sure about that. What a time to be alive where you could be on the other side of the public betting Alabama and Ohio State. Ohio State has not looked good at quarterback. Uh, let's let's watch that this week. That's going to be something I'm going to be watching very closely. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for that game. I love to see these teams actually playing each other. Uh, that is Ohio State and Notre Dame. While you've got Michigan playing Rutgers, Georgia playing the Little Sisters of the Poor. By the way, Georgia 
didn't look so hot this week with that meth head quarterback that they have. Uh, the second half, they did look good, though. I will say that um, they came out fine. If that team, if that second half against South Carolina team comes out every week, they are gonna, they are um, probably the top team in the country. However, let's get back to uh, Ohio State. I, I just remember, just like Alabama, this is a team loaded, and they, if they had done what Florida State did against Boston College. We would be, we wouldn't just say, oh, they were overlooking and they're, they're playing the next week. Because Ohio State, it's when you lose, it's news, just like Alabama, of course. So we, we hold them to a completely different standard. Well, let's keep that standard and watch it this week against Notre Dame because I, obviously this isn't a game that you would bet on these primetime games. It, it's too, it's too hairy. There's too much. It's like betting on the Super Bowl. It just doesn't really usually go your way. Um, I though do think that Ohio State can win, will win that game. Um, I, I think they're favored by three. That's a really close, uh, a, probably a good line on that game in South Bend. Uh, I'll be watching that one. So uh, really excited for LSU to have the primetime game this weekend uh, on ESPN. Uh, Fowler and Herb Street calling it Saturday night in Death Valley. It's early in the year for a Hall Gross, but it's about that time. I'm ready to watch them put their boot on that team's throat uh, and really run them out the building and then take an Ole Miss team who's going to go through a very physical battle, uh, head up to Oxford that next week, hopefully win that one as well. And then you got Missouri, who uh, this podcast has been very high on, not necessarily myself, but Danny, ooh, excuse me, uh, but Danny Belts. I know that the people in Missouri are already looking forward to that one after beating Kansas State this week and that incredible 61-yard field goal. Unbelievable. Mavis. I mean, what a, what a kick. Uh, so watch for Missouri to maybe stumble over these next couple of weeks looking ahead to that LSU game, by the way. They're, they go on the road to Memphis, and then they have um, someone uh, – it's an SEC game. But uh, really look out for them to maybe take a step back in these next couple of weeks overlooking some teams – but we'll see. Uh, really excited uh, of, about the way that LSU is playing right now. Um, looking forward to them continuing the momentum. I want to see them shut down KJ Jefferson. Uh, Rocket Sanders, of course, from Arkansas has been really, really good. But uh, so another big test for uh, the linebacker uh, crew here at LSU. So um, I'm going to wrap this up. Appreciate you guys listening. Anadotians, please do not forget to like and subscribe to the channel. We're on a hot streak right now. Danny Belts, congratulations on your 7-0 week. Uh, all dogs, all one outright. Um, and then, of course, the LSU over because LSU did the most of that. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see LSU and Arkansas go over again this week. Uh, maybe a little bit more scoring on the Arkansas side. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 170 here with your boy Danny Belts. Thanks to the Drunk Neighbor for jumping on here with that soliloquy. That was pretty sick. Thanks to Bro Exotic for coming on with his pick, Dickie Salvo. You can catch him on the Sunday Sickness coming up this Sunday. Uncle Publix been MIA. I don't know. Tommy Bench has been pretty busy. Maybe we can get these guys back on. The Young Woken. I don't know. All these guys, man. They're just super busy. If only I could be as busy as they. But I'll be busy coming up here. We got a lot to do this week with these football games. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Reach out, touch a brother, tell somebody about the Sports Antelope today. Keep it real, Anna Doshin.